0: broadcasting live from the business radio x studios in atlanta georgia it's time for midtown business radio
1: Hey, what's up, everyone? It is C.W. Hall. Thanks for joining us here on the Midtown Business Radio Show today. Pleased to have in studio with us Dr. Guy Reekman. He's the president of Life University. And they've got a cool project that they're doing some work with here in town uh, that's providing some very interesting services that basically kind of extend and build on the philosophy of Life University. I had the good fortune of meeting Dr. Jill LaMarche, who is yes. the vice president of professional relations at Life University, I actually through the Health Connect South radio show a couple of years ago. That's when I really began to learn about Life University. And I have to say that, that I learned a whole lot uh, in terms of getting to know Jill and, and then visiting the campus and seeing all the different things that they're doing. So Dr. Eekman, I'm really pleased to have you with us in the studio today to talk about this new project.
2: Thanks, CW. Appreciate
1: it. And then, of course, we're doing a series. The first and second Tuesdays of the month, we have Bill Basic, Chief Operating Officer for Top Right Partners, uh, where we are co-located in their awesome suite here at 950 East Paces Ferry. Thanks for jumping in, man. Thanks. I'm happy to be here, cruising in for a hot landing right before. Yeah, we start. yeah. About ten <laughs> seconds before the air button went on, on air. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how we do it, you know. Uh, Dr. Reekman, talk talk a little bit about your background because it's it's varied, of course. And then you have spent the last 13 years or so leading life. University as their president, advocating for both vitalistic health and wellness as well as introducing people to all of the great things that Life University is doing. And of course, talking about it around the world as a speaker, introducing people to its philosophies. And we'll talk a little bit about some of those that differentiate you from some of the other more, if you want to say, traditional medical philosophies out there.
2: Sure. Um, yeah. And thank you for not reading my resume. Um, someone got up and read that one day and I was standing at the back of the room and I thought, Boy, people either think I've done a lot or I can't hold a job, Uh, (laughs) but I've been in Atlanta at Life University for about 12 years now. Uh, Never started out in education. I was a chiropractor by training and then wound up producing the first educational films for any profession ever back in 1977 out at the Osmond Studios in Provo, Utah, Uh, and got the film bug, went back to film school at UCLA, kind of mid-career. And then um, wound up managing, having a company that managed offices, doctor's offices. We were at one point managing 7,000 offices. Uh, And then there was a college in Iowa, the original college was kind of in trouble and asked me to come put five years in. I did, and then life showed up. And uh, while I thought I'd be doing this for five years, that was 16 years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, it's been a really varied and interesting uh, uh, career, uh, giving me some real perspectives of everything from media and marketing to healthcare and education.
1: And I think that those things are all elements in your background and experience that make you valuable to the work you're doing today. I know that part of what you've been working to do is to get the word out and, and tell the story about Life University and the way that you approach wellness as a as a concept and how it is really kind of the underpinning of of the way you approach a variety of your uh, course offerings at school and degree programs that you have.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's also developed some other interesting things. Our philosophy, we we, we use sort of a tagline in-house about uh, we call Life University, the not-so-little university that's changing the world. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a gem here in Atlanta, but it has an international reach. Uh, we're getting ready to open up a campus in Rome, for example, uh, one in Beijing, China. Uh, one of our most interesting projects recently, uh, we have a think tank called the Octagon, and uh, it looks at uh, issues in the world like healthcare, integrity, et cetera. It's based on eight values, hence the octagon. Um, and it came from a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King that said, true education is about knowledge and character. And universities have been great at handing out diplomas and knowledge, assuming people's character is in place when they get there. But all you do is watch the six o'clock news to know that's not true. And uh, so we, ha- we were holding a conference a five. It was a series of conferences over five years. On integrity and citizenship. Out of it grew a center called the Center for Compassion, Integrity, and Secular Ethics, non-religious ethics, like compassion, forgiveness, integrity, etc. And one of the projects that grew out of it is something called the Shalon Project, which was based on the poem, The Prisoners of Shalon." Uh, and one of the most serious problems, for example, the United States is uh, recidivism. Uh, we have more prisoners in U.S. jails in the United States than any country in the world in fact 25% of all the prisoners in the world are in US jails and what's remarkable of course is that most of, almost all of the prisoners at some point get out uh, but 70% of them wind up back in the system and it's a huge spiritual and financial drain on the country if you would uh, and governor deal here in georgia decided to make this a major issue for him uh during this uh, his last uh, political office and so we got to work uh, there's only been one thing that's ever been shown to affect recidivism in any great degree, and that's education. Uh, there's one small program in upstate New York uh, that in 18 years, uh, only one prisoner who ever graduated with an education from the prison has actually returned to the prison. So we're not talking about bumping it down from 70 to 68%. We're talking about essentially almost wiping it out. Uh, but between um, the incarcerated, uh, the, uh, uh, the prison A system, the Department of Corrections, which moves prisoners around so they don't have an opportunity to stay in one place to get an education. Uh, The uh, correctional officers, of course, it's just extra work for them. And the accrediting agencies, remarkably, you know, uh, very liberal accrediting agencies in education. So you have to provide the same resources to a person taking a course in a prison as if they were on your campus. And since they can't have access to computers, that makes it really difficult. So it took us about two years working with the Department of Corrections, with Governor Deal's office, with the accrediting agencies, with the correctional officers, and we started the first educational program, Associates and Bachelor's Degrees, at Arendelle Women's Prison this mm-hmm. summer. So um, I know that doesn't have anything to do necessarily with health care. No, no and some I think it's great to talk
1: about. about I was unaware.
2: Yeah, but it uh, just kind of gives you a flavor of the sort of spirit of the university and the kind of things that we're up to.
1: One of the things that I mentioned in, in the introduction is a project that Life University got involved in. I know that the philosophy of the folks that started that uh, undertaking to, to create a, a place where uh, parents and you know women who are pregnant could go and deliver their children in, in, in a natural way, um, not necessarily in a hospital setting, but uh, under the care of midwives that are trained in doing so. I know that you recently, as the university, got involved with that project and, and lended some resources and expertise to bring it to fruition. You want to talk a little bit about that side of things?
2: Sure. Um, and this, is again, is another issue that's sort of an initiative here in Georgia. The World Health Organization, if you look at the top industrialized countries in the world, the United States ranks last in infant and maternal mortality remarkably. Uh, and then if you look at the United States, Uh, George is the worst of the worst. We rank 50th in infant and maternal mortality in the United States. So there's a group of midwives that have been in downtown Atlanta for 40 years. Uh, They're all nurses. They're trained at Emory, and Emory also has a midwifery program. Uh, In fact, the woman who's the dean of the midwifery program, the nursing program there, is also on the board of uh, the Atlanta Birth Center. So there was a desire um, uh, to not only just provide prenatal care, which they've been doing for years, but they also wanted to be able to deliver kids outside the hospital uh, in a more natural setting, home-like setting. Um, And so a few years ago, the uh, state granted them what's called a certificate of need, basically a license uh, to deliver children. And we were talking, you can imagine uh, the restraints that the health department would demand if you're going to deliver a child outside of a hospital. And they're all appropriate, right? Like Mm -hmm. you have to have access in case there's an emergency, you have to have a medical doctor available, all sorts of things. Um, obviously facilities that uh, meet all the state standards. And uh, so they gave them a year to put all these pieces in place. And at the end of the year, they didn't have it completed. Um, just some of the things were overwhelming for a group of midwives uh, to get a business like that up and running. Yep. Uh, th- so the state gave them one more year. And um, we met. I met them about six months before their deadline on the second year. And the state said, don't come back if you don't get it done this time around. Uh, and so Life University provided them uh, support. They did all the work. It's their deal. Uh, but we provided them support and they got the uh, everything in place three days before the deadline, which was last December. And so we began at One Baltimore Row in uh, Midtown Atlanta, uh, putting together this 17,000-square-foot facility, which is really a different way of delivering healthcare uh, literally from birth to age 101, if, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Atlanta Birth Center... Um, has a nurse midwives. They've been delivering children there now. There's also a family psychologist. A lot of the people that are coming either have lost children or have difficulty getting pregnant. Uh, so there's a family psychologist there, a naturopathic physician. They provide nutritional advice. Uh, they have a lactation expert. Um, and then on the Life University side, the other half of this 17,000-square-foot facility, uh, we have chiropractic care, uh, vitalistic nutrition positive psychology, and functional neurology, which I hope we get to because it's really important stuff uh, today.
1: Absolutely. I want to get into those as well. When a woman is interested in exploring natural childbirth under the care of the midwives, as you have at the Atlanta Birth Center, talk about how they get involved with that. When do they get involved with that? Is that something that my OBGYN would be talking to me about? How do they they get to
2: you? It, It could be. Uh, I I think mostly for the Atlanta Burson, it's their business, it's not ours, but uh, we're certainly supportive in in this collective or cooperative with them. Um, uh, Women get involved at different stages. Uh, uh, Some women, uh, they have uh, educational classes uh, during the week, once a week. So people that are interested in finding out about them can go and sit through one of these evening classes. Uh, And I see people sitting there uh, that they've just gotten pregnant, right? They're just mm-hmm. at the beginning, beginning stages and they're gonna use this all the way through. Uh, we had one woman that was working for us on the uh, chiropractic side that was about a month away from delivery. And as soon as she found out that that option was available, she got involved you know, just prior to her birth. So I, I think women pick up at that point at whatever point they feel um, they're in the process and ready to do it. And I know there are even women that come to the center uh, who are interested in working with the psychologists, etc., before they get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so it's a really sensitive, cooperative kind of center that honors the intelligence and respects the body mm-hmm. uh, rather than thinking everybody needs a C-section. It says, no, we've been delivering children for millions of years. We just need to make sure that they're supported. And if there is an emergency, there's a backup. But of course, that's a rare, rare circumstance.
1: Were you saying that there's some measure of prenatal care care available as well, like the classes that one would go through? Oh, they do prenatal
2: out? care from the moment you're pregnant all the way through to the birth. Okay, so yeah.
1: you can be involved with them all the way as as you're learning and, and developing along through your pregnancy. Absolutely. I see. Yeah, so, they
2: actually want to do the prenatal care.
1: I got you. Yeah. Talk about some of the other services. I'm interested in sharing some of the ways that you go about incorporating the concept of vitalism and functionality as you would see in... Positive psychology courses at Life University, or functional neurology, or vitalistic nutrition, for example. How do you incorporate those into the services that you're now providing through the Vital Life Health Center, Atlanta? I guess I should ask, what is vitalism as a as sure. a concept in in all of that you're doing here?
2: Yeah, without getting too philosophical uh, today, there's basically two views of who we are as human beings. One is we're either this big, gigantic physical machine that's going to break down along the way, needs to be diagnosed and then manipulated from the outside in uh, back to what the doctor thinks it should be. Uh, The other view of it is that the body is this uh, incredibly intelligent, self-developing, self-healing, self-maintaining mechanism. You know, the greatest scientist in the world has yet to create a living cell from scratch. Uh, Your body is producing 100,000 of them every second that we're sitting here. Uh, So, Uh, Vitalism basically says that the body, we should have a respect for the human body, that it's it's intelligent, uh, self-developing, as I said, self-healing mechanism. You you cut the finger of a corpse, for example, there's no drug, surgery, chiropractic care, nutritional supplement, anything you're going to do to make the finger heal up. And of course, the cynic might say, well, that's a dumb example, it's dead. But that's exactly the point. Uh, To heal, you have to learn how to replace cells and build cells, and only the body can do it. So... Uh, Doctors that have a view of vitalism look at how can we support the body, get rid of the interferences that are stopping it from doing what it should do, which is repair and heal itself. Uh, And we know that the nerve system runs the show uh, in human bodies. It's the master control system of the body. And that there are three things that interfere with the nerve system, physical traumas, concussions, um, damages to your spine, Uh, Christopher Reeve falls off his horse and breaks his neck, right? Physical traumas to the nerve system. Uh, there are chemical traumas, cigarette smoke, environmental toxins, um, the mercury and uh, fillings and teeth, vaccines, pesticides and foods. Those are all environmental toxins that can damage the nerve system. And then emotional stresses. You know, someone sees their best friend blown up in a roadside bomb in Iraq. Uh, they come home, they weren't physically traumatized, but their nerve system was traumatized emotionally. And of course, we see with our vets now coming home in the extreme, we talk about post-traumatic stress disorder, but what's more subtle is that uh, we actually have—our uh, vets have more than 22 suicides per week, uh, more com- uh, in comparison to the entire rest of the United States population. So, obviously, things happen to people's nerve systems when they're there. So, what we look at in at Life University is how do you get rid of these interferences, the chemical interferences, the physical traumas, uh, the, the emotional stresses, so that the body uh, can do what it's supposed to do, which is be this incredibly uh, intelligent, self-adapting, self-maintaining, self-healing mechanism. Mm-hmm. So at our, at our center, uh, with the Atlanta Birth Center, uh, we're providing chiropractic care because we know that when the spine malfunctions, it damages and interferes with the nerve system. Uh, we also provide functional neurology. Uh, once the nerve system's been damaged, when we're going in looking at how to get the nerve system up and function working again, it takes some real expertise in that area. Uh, for example, our functional neurology center got very, very, uh, well-known, uh, when, uh, Sidney Crosby, the MVP in the national hockey league, mm-hmm. uh, had had two major concussions in Tampa, Florida on consecutive nights. And, uh, he had to retire. He was having massive headaches. Nine months later, uh, disorientation, right? Which is not good if you're going to be an MVP in the NHL. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, he basic, basically, he not basically, had retired officially and wound up, if you can read this in Sports Illustrated, it was the cover story, wound up at Life University because we have some very specialized equipment there. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was there only a week announcing his comeback on ESPN. And then it hit Sports Illustrated. And our phones literally shut down uh, for three days. People calling from all over the world had no hope. We're looking for things that could help them. And so our functional neurology center works with uh, our veterans and the Navy SEALs. We work with uh, athletes, uh, but we do more than take care of just problems. Um, we also work with people that want to have high performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, business executives are the primary candidates. People like myself and Bill people sitting here are the primary candidates for neurogenerative diseases, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, uh, these kinds of issues. Most of these things, if you catch them early on or if you keep your nerve system working effectively, uh, from the beginning. Uh, a lot of these things we know now can be avoided, even things like MS, et cetera. So this combination of functional neurology and chiropractic is a really critical tool, not just in helping people get over problems, but also uh, performing at higher levels and avoiding these problems as they move into the latter part of their life.
1: Interesting. So you're saying that if I'm a a business executive, maybe I'm paying attention to my health, I want to be uh, performing at the best I can, then I can get involved with some of the services that you're providing there at the Vital Life Atlanta. Uh, location and be able to, I guess, go through a measure of training, if you will, that that may not necessarily be pushups, but it might be some sort of neurologic pushups, if you will.
2: Absolutely, there's no question about it.
1: Now, when you get into services like that, one thing a lot of folks want to know is, does my health insurance cover things like that? Can Can you work with health insurance to get those types of preventive treatments?
2: In almost all cases, certainly in the chiropractic part, we also have a neurologist that we work with on staff. Uh, so oftentimes, for example, in the state of Georgia, say concussion, we know that 50% of all high school kids playing football have had one or more major concussions. My grandson is typical of that. He played for Torrey Pines out in California, mm-hmm. got hit one day from behind, was out on his feet on the field, didn't know where he was, some lapses of memory for a few days after that, uh, headaches, Threw up a couple times. And of course, um, our society says, once the symptoms go away, you're okay. Uh, we know that's not true with concussion. Uh, All you have to do is look at Muhammad Ali at the end of his life to know that these things are cumulative throughout the course of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And so um, in the state of Georgia, for example, a neurologist would have to examine someone, recommend them for care, which they neurologist does for functional neurology care, uh, rather than... uh, drugs and surgery, at least not as a starting point, Mm -hmm. uh, and then clears them eventually to go back and play, et cetera. So uh, in those cases, yes, insurance would cover those kinds of things. Uh, Not all services, but that's true of of everything in our world today.
1: Are there other... Pieces of of either technology or or expertise that I can get involved with at the center that a you know a business leader or a local athlete whether they're collegiate or professional or just a an individual that's a recreational athlete that they might need to know about what you're doing there.
2: Yeah, you know, in fact, we're taking care of um, a lot of the athletes at Georgia Tech, for example, and a lot of the trainers that are or number of the, number of the trainers that are working there. Um, we've also had some people from the Atlanta Braves come in. Uh, they're looking for high performance. Again, they're not trying to get rid of a problem. Right. Uh, but we have some a very specialized equipment that they can use to do that. Um, one of them is a piece of equipment. There are only a few of them in the world called the gyro stem. Uh, just sort of imagine a chair at NASA being being strapped in a chair at NASA that they could spin you in any direction. This is actually what we used on Sidney Crosby uh, when he was here. and um, uh, It helps stimulate the vestibular brain for example. But Athletes oftentimes find they can get in this thing, and while it's spinning, they have to hit various targets with a laser. Um, and uh, it increases the reaction times that people have. So, we're taking care of a number of Olympic athletes. One of them, a woman named Katie Uhlander, who's the um, world champion or has been in down, uh, downhill uh, single bobsledding. <laughs> uh, she comes down that hill at over 90 miles an hour. So, quick reaction times are critical for her. And the difference between winning and losing are hundreds of a second. Right, mm-hmm. so well, that's really amazing.
1: And and one of the things that I was pleased to have you sitting in on this particular segment was uh, to be able to you know chat with with Bill from Top Right Partners. Top Right has. Uh, uh, an approach to marketing that's, I'd say, a little different. Just sort of similar, if you want to lay it over how life differentiates itself a little bit from what someone might say is the the, the traditional way, if you will, mm-hmm. that so many people believe is the way it should be done. Uh, Top Right Partners is also one that that views uh, marketing a little bit different. It's in terms of telling their story and actually transforming a business. So talk a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, sure. So I'll give you the 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 view. 30 second 45 second version of that and 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 i'm always fascinated by, by listening to someone as passionate as you are about what what they do because that's that's a critical part of any organization's ability to tell the story effectively right. so when we talk about marketing you know, the world of marketing very often is consumed with traditional marketing traditional marketing is transactional right you just your, your customers often number it means to an end if you increase the volume loud enough you'll get some kind of result and, mm-hmm. and hopefully that'll move the needle there's a time and a place for that. Transformational marketing, which is what we do, is all about the story. It's about why you do what you do, what you actually do to deliver against that, and then how you implement it in, in the market or to a target audience. And the reason that's so important is because it's impact-driven based on the impact you have on your customer. The story's not about you, really. You're not the hero of the story. You're just the Sherpa or the guy that's helping somebody mm-hmm. on a, on a journey to a destination where you can make an impact. How you tell that story in that way allows you to define your impact and thereby draw in a a customer or or a participant in a way that they didn't previously understand or even know was available and at that point they're not a buying customer but they're they're an advocate for what you're doing a lot of what you're describing is is well, almost all of it actually it's very much impact based right you're you're making a, a huge difference and as i listen to you tell the story one of the things that we do when we talk to clients is we go back to the to the first sort of principles, if you will, because the first thing that happens when you sit down with any, any exec is he'll, in most cases, they'll launch into all the things they do, right? You know, which is great. Right. That's great. As I did. And, 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 <laughs> as, as, I as, did. as you did. And, and, right. and there's a, there's a moment in the meeting where you know, I, I, I right. would stop you and say, that's awesome. But right now, like yet, I don't actually care yet mm-hmm. because what I care about is why you do it. You know, why you do yes. what you do. What is it that actually is that core foundational purpose that got you here to begin with, you get up every day, you do this, why do you do it? And that why is always an external focus, an external impact, the difference that you're actually making in somebody's life. The what you do is how you actually can deliver mm-hmm. against that. And so we we use that in every single case because what it does is it actually changes not just the conversation, but the experience that a customer has of your story. I, I will often, or usually... Uh, say to CEOs or boards when I'm talking to them, two things ultimately that make or break an organization or a company. There's your story, and then there's your customer's experience of that story. Everything in the middle is kind of filler of how you get from one point to another, but it has to be done with that sort of ruthless consistency all about the story that you're making. So when I listen to you, it's fascinating because I can see the passion and I can hear it, you're, you're involved in a million things, right? Right. Or a lot. Go back, just rewind for a second, given your background, and tell me your version of the why.
2: Sure. Uh, when you talk about that, one of my favorite people is Simon. Simon Sinek, Zinek, sure, yeah, yeah. The Why, how? Yeah, why. so he
0: he he uh, largely modeled that after. A- I, I keep. I was at Apple for many many years, where yep. they learned. And that's a company all about the why, right? And that's where he yes. developed a lot of that. And then he's God bless him became rich and famous off of that. And yep. he's done a great job.
2: And his wife is a chiropractor.
0: By oh, me. there you go. Right, <laughs> <There you guys, laughs> yeah. he actually yeah. uses
2: some of our lingo in that uh, TED yeah. talk.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a great TED talk. For, yeah, it
2: is. Yeah, so our why is, is is really very, very simple. I kind of touched on it at the beginning, at least for me, right, and, I, and for the university. We know what we do, which we have these degrees, we have prison programs, we have vital life downtown, that's what we do. The why we do it is that we believe that people have more potential than what they're currently expressing. More potential for health, more potential for healthy relationships, more potential for forgiveness, more potential for compassion. Uh, we believe that people have more inside of them than what they're expressing right now. And our goal, very simple, is to allow people to express more of that potential. When we get into like how we do what we do, then we get into the things like the recognition that the nerve system runs the body and getting rid of interference to the nerve system. But it's really about how do we allow people to express more of that potential that they have on the inside. Um, And so we look for programs like the, the Arendelle Women's, prison program, because we know those people have more potential. It isn't just about the economics. It isn't just about ending recidivism rates. uh, It's about who those people are and their potential.
1: It's a group of humans that you're changing their life. Exactly. Uh,
2: And so if you look at our mission statement at the university, it says our goal is to maximize the expression of the potential within. Uh, And I've been doing that since the 1960s. I'm just doing it in an Armani suit today, rather than (laughs) bell-bottoms and uh, uh, a lot of hair.
0: Well, it's a nice suit. So good, and it's you still suits, got a nice head hey, of hair. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I'm envious. Yeah. Yeah. Hold up. Well, you know, th- does that answer that? It does. It does. And it, it, if you think about, this, so one question that I would that I would ask is as a follow one: If you're looking at at allowing people to express themselves, mm-hmm. grow right in ways that they didn't or know they even could or had it had it in them, but couldn't find the right vehicle to bring it out, that can cover a lot of ground. Right? Yes. So, how do you maintain? The focus in 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 your organization and your business, and what do you choose to get involved with, and what are the criteria that we, you would use then mm-hmm. to to keep that focus? Because obviously it, it's so wide in 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 many ways that you have to be able to walk a
2: path to a destination. So what what does that process look like? Right. For us, I mean, so for us mostly it would be healthcare. Right. Right. Um, it would apply obviously, to a lot of different areas, but it applies mostly to us to healthcare. In 1989, at at, at Harvard. Uh, There was a guy by the name of David Eisenberg. He was hired, basically, he's a statistician, and hired to determine uh, how many people were using alternative healthcare as an approach to health, rather than just mainstream drugs, radiation, surgery. And it shocked the world. He found that year there were 39 million more visits to alternative healthcare practitioners. Uh, That number, they had him do it every year through the next decade because it was so shocking to the healthcare community. Um, they want to know, is it a blip? Is it, you know, is it going up? Is it going down? By 1999, it was 250 million more visits. So there's a revolution going on in healthcare in the United States. A lot of things came up in the nineties about that. Um, Are these people uneducated consumers that are just being duped and, you know, their money's being taken? A guy named Sean Austin at Stanford did a study and found that um, people that have a bachelor's degree or higher 50% 50% of them are more likely to use alternative health care, while 50% that use stay in traditional medicine have a high school education or less. Uh, the Office of Alternative Futures at Berkeley found uh, that people were not rejecting medicine, for example. They didn't want it to go away. They just didn't want it to be their only choice yes. or their first choice. So to answer your question, there's a guy by the name of Ian Coulter at the RAND Corporation at UCLA, and he said there are five conversations going on in healthcare today. Uh, this notion of what we call vitalism or mechanism. Is the body, can we rely on the body? Is it intelligent to repair and heal itself? Or do we have to manipulate it from the outside in? The second conversation was naturalism versus artificialism. What's the best way to birth a child, naturally or surgically? What's the best way to gain immunity through exposure to dirt, dust, and dander? Or vaccination, which we now know has links to autism, etc. Uh, the third conversation is, Um, can you look at someone's health as just seeing them as an eye, ear, nose, or throat, or do you have to understand them as a whole? Holistically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we know that people are in healthy relationships, have a higher quality of lives and live longer than people who aren't in healthy relationships. Uh, and then the last one is conservative therapeutics. Does regular low cost, low risk interventions, exercise, nutrition, chiropractic care, positive attitudes, cleaning up the environment. Can we, Do these things, if they're used regularly and consistently, allow us to avoid high-risk interventions, drugs, radiation, surgery, which is now the third leading cause of death in the United (laughs) States, except in emergencies. No one's saying, if I'm laying by the road and I have a severed artery and I'm going to bleed to death in five minutes, don't come give me nutritional advice. You know, get me patched up. And so there's this, and then the last one is, and this is, there's a great battle today between authoritarianism and patient rights. What rights do patients have? Do they have the right to... form consents? Do they have the right to making a final decision about their health care and their children's health care? Does the state or the doctor have the right to do it? And so you see it in California, for example, where they passed a law requiring every person to be vaccinated or they can't go to school. Uh, so there's this, there are these battles going on. And so my why, if you will, or how this plays out is how do we how do we let people have control of their lives, use conservative therapeutics to help people be healthy throughout their lifetime. Uh, have a great respect for the human body help them support a natural response to healthcare rather than always expecting to use something from the outside in uh, that would probably be my motivation and it shows up in these areas as you point out
0: yeah that's fascinating I, it, like you I, I live most of my adult life in california which is you know its own its own sort of yeah, me too. test tube of, of different <laughs> issues and trends and, uh-huh. and and possibilities going on there and obviously in a in a place like that and it's a generalization but it's more in tune with a, a more natural approach as part of just the way you grow up out there and so the culture my kids all grew up out there mm-hmm. but that's not true across the rest of the country and you talk about patient rights and 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 today there's very there are very few things more controversial than healthcare and the, mm-hmm. and the yep. which is just anyway you look at it a disaster pretty much in terms yep. of in terms of a, a consumer how does an even an informed or intelligent or educated consumer mm-hmm. how do they best pursue what you are describing when, you know, they, because in medicine today, if it's not, if it's not triage, if you're not dealing with a, you know, a severed artery, right? right? How do you exercise that level of knowledge or rights or explore things that even your doctor, who's running an assembly line of patients through his office, either doesn't know, doesn't want to know, doesn't care. Yeah. Just, you know, just, he wants to see you and you you go away, here's a prescription, good luck. Yeah. How do you do that?
2: Well, there's top down and there's bottom up. Right. And I think both the, you know, top down is, excuse me, there are places like Vital Life in Midtown Atlanta that has education, excuse me, educational programs for everything from corporate executives to moms with kids at home to students in school, et cetera. So one is you can intentionally go out and get information. But the real information is going on from the ground up, being shared by people on Facebook, across the fence in the backyard when they're talking about whether they're going to vaccinate their kids or uh, what who they're seeing and, you know, I think you and I would probably both agree on this. It's the ground-up stuff that really is the thing that's making a difference. You have to have the other stuff at the top and available. That validates it, in it, effect, right? Right. And when people do get interested, there's a place for them to go yeah. and gather information. Today, of course, it's how do we get on Facebook? How do we Twitter? How do we give these do these kinds of things and give people the story in a way that they can get it and understand.
0: Yeah. And that's an important point because what you would tell you, if you were, if you were, if we were working with you, one of the things that, you know, that we would say is the most, especially in something like this, the most powerful way to tell the story is that groundswell, that bottom yeah. up approach, because you are going to be influenced by the people that you trust personally, especially in something as, as near and dear as healthcare and, and, mm-hmm. and, and just the overall life sciences. It's one thing to, to read about it. It's one thing to even have your own doctor who, who's in most cases quite distant to you personally tell you something, but when someone you know or trust or an influencer that you respect says, Hey, have you thought about sure. X that telling that story and driving it through those channels, that is a powerful place to be from a, from a storytelling and a marketing perspective.
2: One of my, um, I guess my heroes, I'm old enough to have lived through lots of marketing cycles. Uh, but today, the guy I don't get out of bed in the morning until I read his blog every morning. Is Seth Godin? Yeah, sure, yeah, right, who yeah. I love, and of course, his whole notion on tribes. Yeah, and you know, not trying to get everybody, but find the people that already believe what you believe, are at least in tune with that, and connect with them. And I can't say we're very effective at it, but I think that's absolutely the way that things have to be done.
0: Yeah, yeah, actually, he he, and uh, and then to go back to the, to the Simon Sinek in his talk he, in in his book. He talks about people care about what you believe. And if they believe what you believe, yes. they are far more likely to want to engage, they almost almost certainly will want to engage, which really goes right back to the effectiveness, the necessity even of telling that story from an impact basis, right? It's not just having it's not advertising, it's not buying the time. Those all it might be vehicles you use at some point right. in time, but it's having people that you value, that you trust, that you think actually have something to say that influence you having them tell that story especially how seth godin has built his, his empire right i mean it's all yep. about influence and and the, and the, mm-hmm. the tribe and, they, and and i think what you're doing is just is absolutely it's it's the it's the Perfect category to be doing that in.
2: Yeah. Well, and plus, we're, pharmaceutical injury is probably not going to spend a lot of money advertising yeah, what we so do. Not so much.
0: No. Right. No. So, might spend money advertising against way, what you're doing that isn't the way. Exactly. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm.
2: But, you know, and, and that was the great thing. The internet, you know, Facebook was the great equalizer for people that couldn't earn $3 million, 30 second Super Bowl commercials uh, because people are getting their information in other places. We just got hooked up with a company called Quid out in California, I went to their offices. Uh, It looked like a movie uh, scene. Uh, I don't think anybody was over 30, or if they were, not much. Uh, A big open loft on the third floor in San Francisco, and people kicking soccer balls and riding bikes. Um, But they had about 300 people there. And what's interesting about Quid, um, if you go to Google, uh, let's say you've Googled education. Google determines the top 10 things you're going to read on education. Quid doesn't do that. They gather all the information, every seminar, every article, every research project, every webinar, every everything on education. And they lump them on a huge screen the size of a wall, uh, say in blue. Uh, and there are blue dots all over. A big dot, if you click on it, has tons of information on that subject in education. Smaller dot has less information. And then they have these outline and, and they congregate them based on how they connect. So there's a glob of blue in the middle of the screen. And then way out on the edges are sort of outlying bits of interesting information. And so what they do is they, they put multiple pieces of information in the computer and then look for these outline connections to see where things are developing. Uh, their claim to fame was they were looking at transportation uh, in the future, and they were looking at things like what are millennial attitudes towards carrying money, cars, etc., and they found a little place where all these things sort of connected way out in the middle of nowhere on this screen. It was a little company called Uber. <laughs> um, and they told their investors and their investors rushed and uh, bought into Uber. That worked out pretty it well. It worked out well. They predicted that Trump was going to win months before the election, actually. Uh, I've got the graph on the, from the wall where they had all this stuff up about Brexit and all of those things in Europe. And so we're working with them to put up, what about healthcare? All right, we know what's at the glob in the middle, right, uh, of what's going on in healthcare. And as you said, it's a mess and it's not working very well. And what are these outlined places? And we think um, that what we're doing at Life and these kinds of issues are right on target with where healthcare is going in the future. Do do you find
0: everyone at some point when you talk around about marketing or and, and market segmentation, the you know the millennials always come yeah. up as like as, as, if, as if they're a different species, but they're you know they're not. They're I have
2: just, to live with them every day at I, Life I, University. I, I, yeah, and, yeah,
0: and 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 I and I see that here I say this. I have my own focus group of millennials. I have three kids who are millennials, so right. I, I, I <laughs> test test that out. But and this is the gross generalization, right? But is their perspective different? Is it is it is it riper for this type of an approach than say? the baby boomers that, you know, we all grew up in a particular prescribed medicine
2: world. Yeah. You know what? I think it actually started with people like you, me, the baby boomers yeah. that challenged authority, challenged the system. You know, one of the systems I challenged was healthcare. You know, I wasn't marching on campuses. Well, we were for the war, but um, we were all doing that. But healthcare was one that just challenged. It just didn't make sense to me. Um, and um, so I think it's it's progressed. I think millennials are and I'll tell you the reason why I think that. I I think they're much more attuned to being a wellness-oriented culture, although we did some studies, uh, and we found that their behaviors, unfortunately, are the same as their parents, which is they're going to wind up with the same problems because of it. I have a friend uh, who wrote a book uh, called The 100-Year Lifestyle. Uh, The fastest-growing demographic in the United States are people that are going to live to be 100 years of age. Uh, So a child born today in the United States has a better than 60% chance of living to be 100 years of age. The question isn't that. The question is, what are the last 75 years or last 25 years going to be right. like? Are you going to be in a nursing home, someone changing your diapers, you don't know who the people are around you? Or are you going to be out, you know, having great sex and, you know, and having a great time and taking vacations and, mm-hmm. you know, coming up with innovative ideas? Um, and you can't decide that at 75. You have to decide that now. Yeah. Right? Because the payoff is then. That's why we were talking about the neurogenerative diseases. You don't wait until you get one and then figure out, try to treat it, hopefully. Uh, The trick is, can you build a lifestyle that's conducive to those last 25 years being great? I think the millennials are more aware of that. Uh, We'll see whether or not they can pull it off. And the next, the Gen Zs are coming along, uh, which is a bigger audience than even the millennials, as I understand it. Uh, I think we're going to have a completely different attitude towards it, Hopefully.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. Well, I, I know, and just in listening and listening to you talk, and 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 being able to read some of your literature, you know, I'm one of those execs. that's the CEO of a of a firm here, mm-hmm. I, so I immediately want to go down to your facility and see if I can tap into some of this because it's so critically important yeah. to get this right. It's not a this is not a nice to have question and answer. This is an essential, really an essential part of 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 life that we're talking about here. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Before we jump off, make sure you share where folks need to go to get information both about Life University okay. as well as around um, Vital Life Atlanta.
2: Okay. Yeah, so Life University is easy. It's Life University, or you can just put in life.edu, education, right? Okay. Life.edu. So schools are easy. For the uh, clinic down in Midtown Atlanta, uh, which is at one Baltimore row, it's uh, you can put in um, Vital Life HC, Vital Life Health Centers, Okay, and it'll come up. The webpage will come up. You can get hooked into that. And it'll also hook you in if you're interested in, you can put in Vital Atlanta and it'll hook you into the, the whole collective of the Atlanta Birth Center and the life part, et cetera. So any one of those three uh, will navigate you to where you want to go. How about Top Right Partners?
0: It's very easy. It's literally uh, toprightpartners.com and you'll go to our website and we'll we'll talk about transformational marketing and how we hopefully can engage with you to help you tell your story in a in a in a different way that that opens
1: up a new kind of conversation with your customer i've read a number of the articles that they put out on Top Right Partners on the blog, and, and they're definitely worth a read, particularly if you're uh, in the space that is worried about telling the story and, and, and marketing for your organization. So I or certainly encourage you to get by Top Right Partners' website and check out their blog and read some of those articles. And if you've not done so already, in the upper left-hand corner of the show page, you'll see the Apple logo. That'll take you to the iTunes store where the Midtown Business Radio Show podcast lives, and you can subscribe to us. That way, each week when the new episode comes out, it's downloaded straight to your device, ready for you to check Out when it's convenient for you, and we'll ask you please turn around and hit share. Uh, put it out on Facebook, put it out on LinkedIn, let folks that you know hear about what they're doing here to promote wellness and health among our uh, peers and and neighbors here uh, in the Atlanta area through the application of some of these really cool approaches to wellness on a variety of fronts from nutrition to psychology. Uh, They even uh, include some of these concepts into the way they approach teaching business courses. So there's a number of options for you, to improve yourself, whether it's academically or physically, uh, at the Vital Life Health Center downtown Atlanta, and then, of course, Life University in Marietta. Dr. Reekman, I really appreciate you taking some time today, man.
2: Thanks for the invitation, C.W.
1: It's great having you here. I I certainly was one of those people. I didn't know life. I, I knew of it. I didn't know what it was all about, getting a chance to meet Jill and then firsthand seeing the campus uh, and experiencing the students there really was where I became uh, a brand advocate for Life University and what you're doing just because the, the students there, they, they put out. What do they call the the plaques that they they have on the sidewalk that says you will acknowledge each other with a with a spoken
2: word Oh, the uh, speak tradition that's
1: it, the yeah. speak tradition yeah. i i and they execute that. It was created by students and it's executed by the students. Everyone you meet, it will absolutely be an exception if you're walking on a life university right. campus and you encounter somebody that they will not say hello to you. That's right. And um, I thought that that was pretty impressive. You're learning some things that will make you a good human uh, outside of the college campus. So if you've not done so, I highly encourage you to go check out Life University. I need to get myself over to the the new health center downtown and check it out.
2: Yeah, we were, we'd love to have you come in. And- walk through with us.
1: That way I'll have that much more to talk about. I appreciate you jumping in again today, Bill. We've got that series going on where we'll be featuring folks alongside Bill and his colleagues here from Top Right Partners sitting in to get to know some of these business leaders. So make sure you check us out. Uh, They'll be with us the first and second Tuesdays of every month uh, here at ten thirty, and who knows, we may add on other segments on other time slots later. We'll see, but I appreciate your time today and everybody who uh, jumped in with us today on the show. Thanks so much. We'll see you then.